And welcome in to another great edition of Strong Style. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact. You're welcome. And boy, it has been a week. It has been a week so far, and it is just Wednesday. Tonight is called Where's the Respect? And sometimes it's just, hey, where is it? And then there's other times tonight it's going to be like, where is it? It's going to be different times. But, of course, those who are new to the show, Strong Style is the weekly pro wrestling and MMA recap review talk show that we do here at Impact Media. So let's get started. And normally we would start with WWE. Dead has done quite a lot in the past week, but instead, I'm going to do something different. I want to start I want to start by talking UFC 269. UFC 269, it was the biggest UFC pay-per-view uh, here at the end of the year, uh, boy, they are trying to go out with a bang. And also, uh, the crazy thing, the crazy thing is, uh, they, they still have a fight night coming up later, uh, that I'll, that I'll talk about right after this, but USC 269, Oliveira versus Poirier. Let's start with some of the big wins at the bottom of the card. To open up. Yeah, I couldn't believe she was this little on the card. But Jillian Robertson with a great submission win. She was dominating Priscilla uh, Cochera. For a majority of it anyway. But, uh, man, just this is the Jillian we remember. And great win for her. Maybe she'll move up the card now. Uh, my part, performance of the night. She won with by unanimous decision. Performance of the night, though, goes to Aaron Blanchfield in the women's flyweight division. She took out Miranda Maverick. And uh, just performance of the night. She go back and rewatch this if you get a chance, or go check some clips. Uh, just man, she brings it. She brings it. Aaron Blanchfield, you're gonna have to get in front of her before she starts taking you guys out at the top. I'm telling you right now. Uh, Tied to Avasa with one of the, I would say probably knockout of the night, in my opinion. Over Augusto Sakai. Look, in the first in the first round, Tai Tuavasa, he was having uh he was having some issues trying to establish where he wanted this fight to go. And then early in the second, he determined he wanted the fight to be ended right there. And he took Augusto out. Uh just some great strikes. Great strikes, Tai Tuavasa. He's that good. He's fourteen and three now in the heavyweight division. It's not going to be too many more fights before you're going to have to start seeing him way higher on the card. Dominic Cruz with unanimous decision over Pedro Munoz. Uh, Pedro probably had the first round, but Dom definitely took the second and third. I, I had it two rounds to one. Uh, it's good to see Dom doing good things again. Uh, Pedro will bounce back. He's a good fighter. But Dominic Cruz winning a bantamweight, that's it's fantastic. Uh, Josh Emmett beat, beating Dan Ige. Ige is no slouch. Josh Emmett is, was returning after a little bit of a... I can't remember why he was out. I can't remember if it was injury or if it was COVID or if it, it was something. But uh, he was returning. Josh Emmett looked good. Dan Ige looked good. I wouldn't mind them... This comes down to unanimous decision. I wouldn't mind them fighting again down the road. Not right now, though. Sugar Sean O'Malley with the big knockout of uh, Paeva, uh, Rallyan Paeva, that is. Uh, Sugar Sean, I believe, has two fights left on his deal. One or two. I believe it's two. 
and he keeps talking about, well, I'd love to have bigger fights, but I will fight bigger fights for bigger money. Dana White is, uh, he's not calling your bluff because you're not bluffing. He, uh, he agreed. He said, he basically said at a press conference, at the press conference afterwards, Sergashan wants to talk about bigger fights for bigger money. Let's talk. So, Sean, make yourself a good deal. Kai Kara France with the big knockout, the TKO really, over Cody Garbrandt. I got to agree with what practically everybody else is saying. I thought Cody looked pretty good. I don't know that this is the weight class that he should, uh, the, the hill he should be willing to die on. I don't think it has to do with his chin. Nothing like that. I just think uh, he got caught. Carl France is a, a great fighter and and is a really good flyweight, really good striker. So, you know, Cody, if you want to stay in flyweight, that's on you. And uh, good luck to you. I think you should bump back up, and I think you do some good stuff. Uh, Jeff Neal with the split decision. It shouldn't have been. Split decision win over Santiago Ponzinibbio. This is a pretty good fight. It's a pretty good fight. Uh, it, it should have been unanimous decision, but I believe one of the judges had Ponzinibbio winning one of the rounds. Not the personal Santiago, but I don't know what round I would give him. Uh, Jeff Neal won that fight, hands down. And then we get to the ones that inspired the name of, of today's show. Where's the respect? I, I tweeted this out. I ton of you guys have responded or liked or seen that tweet. I saw the numbers. First of all, thank you. Second of all, Juliana Pena with the submission win over Amanda Nunes for the women's bantamweight title. Where's the respect? First of all, where's the respect for Amanda Nunes on the run she has had to this point because she's not done. Because a lot of people were suddenly trying to write her off. Or, oh, well, her time finally came. Well, hold on, hold on. We're talking about one of the greatest fighters. You notice I didn't put a gender on that. One of the greatest fighters in the history of the UFC. One of the greatest mixed martial artists. And you want to write her off because she lost once to a great contender? Payton's name may not carry the huge clout of even a Kayla Harrison or a cyborg, or Ronda Rousey, or any of these names that maybe you're more familiar with, but uh, Juliana Pena is a thousand percent qualified as a big contender. And I'm not saying that because she won. If she would have lost, I would have said the same thing. So, first of all, where's the respect for Amanda Nunes? Because I've got the utmost respect. Because she's going to rebound. I don't think the rematch is the next fight. I think it is too possibly three fights down the road. I think it I think it is at least two or three. But that rematch is coming. And you think Amanda's just gonna sit on her laurels? First of all, she's still she's still another champ. They're gonna have to change her profile pick. Her profile pick has both titles in it. But she's still champion of the other division. I think that's the heavier division that she's still champ of, I believe She's going to go defend that next before potentially coming back down to take on uh, whoever the, the women's bantamweight title holder is at that point. I think it'll be Juliana, but I do think in probably three or four months, we're going to see both of them defending belts, not to each other either. So where's the respect for Amanda Nunez? Nunez, like I said, I have the utmost respect, and I'm sure most of you guys do too. Where's the respect? Exactly where it should be. On the legacy she has to this point, and what she's going to do afterwards. And by afterwards, not after she stops fighting, she's not retiring, nothing like that. No. What she does from this point forward, the new, the new chapter of the legacy, that's where our respect is. Is on, we've seen what you did to this point. We see you get knocked down. I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, we see you tap out. Something we didn't think we'd see. So now we want to see you get up and keep fighting. Because we know you're going to. We know you're going to, Amanda. We look forward to it. 
So now on the flip side, here's basically what my tweet said. Quote, I'm paraphrasing as well because I don't have it in front of me. I do not understand. Basically, basically I said, I do not understand the surprise that all these people were, the surprise reactions to all these people about when Juliana beat Amanda. Juliana's been telling us for months that this was going to happen. Now, she was saying this to, to bump up the fight and to, and to pump up the fight and because I, I don't think she, she, I don't think she believes this either. But she was saying, oh, Amanda's ducking me. Amanda doesn't want to face me. She, she faced one or two other people before even looking in my direction. And now that I'm calling her out, uh, you know, all of a sudden she, she, uh, the, the fight a month ago or two months ago got called off. Well, Amanda got sick, by the way. She's fine now. I believe, I, I did, it could have been the virus. I don't know. But I know Amanda had uh, a sickness, I believe. I don't think it was an injury, a sickness. And she said, hey, I, I can't fight. And so they did the right thing. They said they, they went to Juliana and they said, hey, are you good moving it a month, two months, whatever it was? She said, sure, absolutely. Let's do it. I mean, I'm not going to call it off. So Juliana's been telling us for months that, hey, when I face Amanda, I'm going to take her title. I'm going to knock her out. I'm going to make her submit. I'm going to finish the fight. What did she do? She went out and she finished the fight. She finished the fight. What more can you ask out of Juliana? Juliana Pena did everything she said she was going to do. Just a lot of people weren't listening. I listened. I know a lot of my listeners, they listen. A lot of you guys, hey, we're in the same boat. I'm not just grouping this together because, you know, this sounds like a jail thing. Only us listening here were the greatest people ever. No, no. Love you, Chael. Seriously. But, no. I know my listeners were listening to Juliana. I know I was listening to Juliana. And some of you guys were, too. But the media wasn't. A lot of the, the big-time fans weren't. The hardcore fans were. Because they know. When a fighter tells you something, you usually can really easy, easily figure out. If they are blowing smoke or if it is the real, that is what they believe. Juliana told us. I'm going to finish. She does. What else can, can we say? Utmost respect to Juliana. And we're in the same thing with Amanda. We've seen the legacy of both till now. So now Juliana, we want to see the next contender and what you do to the next contender. Because a lot of people say Juliana winning screwed up the Kayla Harrison, Amanda Nunez dream match. Oh, contrary, Monfrey. Which is French for hold that thought. How would that mess that up? Because you thought Kayla was going to sign with the UFC and immediately get to take on Amanda for the belt? It doesn't work that way. Dana's not stupid. For one, you build that fight. And you make sure that Kayla is going to be able to, to carry the water that she needs to. And I think she can. And Dana thinks she can too. But you, this is not pro wrestling. You don't just swap companies and you immediately go into a title fight. Very rarely does that happen. What Michael Chandler, that's different. He come from the second biggest company into the first biggest company. And there was a vacancy at the top where they needed him. But no, now we don't have to worry about a clunky accessory being in the way. And no, the title is not just a clunky accessory. It is for the point I'm making. And the point I'm making is that now, if Kayla signs with the UFC, then we get to see Kayla versus uh, some pretty good contender, unranked contender. And then we get to see Kayla versus somebody... I don't know. I, I'll go as high as to say 8, 9, down to 15. The the bottom half of the top 15. And if she has those two victories, then whether Amanda's champion or not. Now, if she's not, it's even easier. Because then it doesn't get in the way. You can just say, okay, well, now it's Amanda and Kayla. If they want to fight each other. Former, former training partners, they may, they may not. Who knows? But if they do, 
then it makes it a lot easier. In fact, you can make it a three-round co-main event or a three-round, you can put it on the main card. It doesn't have to be the main event. Because I can't, I mean, I can't ask Kayla Harrison to go five rounds. I don't think she's ever done that in her life. I'm not saying she can't. I can't let her do that in her third fight in the UFC. Remember, Dana White is one of the smartest people on the planet for a reason. And for people who think he's not, you clearly don't watch things. A lot of things don't happen without him outsmarting everybody else in the room and knowing what is going to work. So, Juliana, I think it's time for you to defend your title. I think you're going to have a lot of successful defenses. And good luck. Love to have you on the show. Amanda, I think it's time for you to defend the other belt. Have a couple have a go up the have a couple other fights in between there. And then, hey, if Kayla comes over, great. If she doesn't, then you still have the legacy of carrying the other belt. The belt. Because now you don't have two, you have one. So it's the belt. You don't have to consider one or the other, you know, oh, this is the belt now, that's the other belt later. Oh, now this is the other belt, this is the belt, you know. These two will fight again. They will 100% fight again. And when they do, you're going to see a slightly different fight, but you're going to see a similar fight as well. Where's the respect for these girls? It's at the highest level if you come to this show and you guys, my listeners. And then the main event. That was the co-main event. It's not even the main event. Could have been, and it would have been, had the lightweight heavy or the lightweight title not been on the line as Charles Oliveira defended against Dustin Poirier. Great fight. Great fight. And once again, the outcome helps things. Charles Oliveira who every time he, I mean, he had ups and downs, ups and downs, and, and times when he, he was getting title opportunities or getting close to one, it wasn't working out. He finally gets his opportunity after all these years, a couple earlier in the year. What does he do? He wins the title. He wins the title. And then what did he do now? He defended the title. You guys thought, oh, uh, he'll defend against, uh, or he'll uh, he'll put his title on the line against this guy, and this guy will smoke it. Didn't happen. Oh, now Justin Poirier, he's going to come in. He's going to win the belt. And then it's, hold up, hold up. He didn't win the He didn't. He didn't. Charles Oliveira proved so many doubters wrong. And he, he does the same as Juliana. He makes the top contender in Justin Poirier. He makes the top contender tap out. He submits him. He absolutely submits him round number three in round three. He said, this ain't going five. This ain't going four. This ain't going to make it out of three. Once again, people keep doubting Charles Oliveira. He keeps proving them wrong. Good for Charles. Who's his next contender? I don't know. Does it matter? No. we got time to figure that out. So where's the respect for Charles Oliveira? Once again, highest, utmost respect from here, and I know from you guys as well. Because, hey, he's the champ. So in my book, you're the champ until proven otherwise. He keeps proving he's the champ. And not just because he's winning. He carries himself as a champ. He's taking on whoever they throw at him. He's good. That lightweight division is still just, just stopped. He's loaded. So then the question comes up, first of all, where's the respect for Poirier? You, you should have respect for Poirier. For one, he's beaten Conor McGregor, what, twice? Yeah, you could say the injury had something to do with the last one, but uh, he was still winning that fight when that happened. Dustin Poirier is 28-7-0. Yeah, he's no slouch. 27 official fights. He's only lost seven of them. 
he is 32, 33 years old. I mean, he's, he's early 30s, I'm pretty sure. At the very latest, mid-30s. Even if he hangs him up now, so what? He's had a heck of a career. But him not winning the lightweight title, here's what I think he should do. He should take a little bit of time off. And then he should get back in there and start training. Make sure his head's right. Make sure everything's good. And in about, I don't know, somewhere around summertime, a certain guy named Conor McGregor is going to come back. I think he will. And if he comes back, you do the trilogy, you cash that big check, and when you say, I beat Conor McGregor three times, first of all, that'll about do it for Conor and the hype, which is, is, is a good and bad thing. The sport needs people like that, but if you're the one who knocked, who, who slayed the dragon three times, then you're the new dragon. And it being the new dragon and having that win there, you make the case for getting another championship match. And so, next fall or this time next year, we can see this fight again. Or whoever the champion is at this point, but... Poirier, to me, is going gonna, is gonna to stay in the top three. And like I said, you, you face Connor in six months, about three or four months after that, you're right back in the title picture. Whereas your respect, it's where it should be. Now, I said, UFC's got a fight night coming up. They do. This is Derek Lewis versus Chris Dawkins is the main event. Let me tell you about some of the bigger fights. Um, this opens up the card, which is crazy. Jordan Levitt and Matt Sales in the lightweight division. Those are two more guys that are loaded. They help load that division. Uh, let's see. Who else? Dontel Mays and Josh Parisen in the heavyweight division. That's at the bottom of the card, too. That's crazy. Uh, Raquel Pennington is going to fight Macy Chiazon. The women's featherweight division. Those two girls are going to go. I'm going to say a, a submission ends that one. May not. Um, oh, Harry Hunsucker's taking on Justin Taffa in the heavyweight. The heavyweights, man, they're featured on this card as they should be. Well, so we got we got Cub Swanson versus Darren Elkins in the featherweight division. Cub Swanson has do a quick math. 39 fight. This will be his 40th fight. Cub can still go. Darren Elkins, he's no slouch either. He's got 36. That's going to be a fantastic fight. Uh, you're going to get uh, Mateus Gamrot facing Diego Ferreira in the lightweight division. There's the lightweights again. The lightweights and the heavyweights, it's that loaded. You could just fill cards up with just them. Uh, Amanda Lemos is taking on Angela Hill in the women's strawweight division. Those are two big contenders. I don't know why I'm looking at the odds right now. I don't know why Lemos is that big of a favorite. Where's the respect there for Angela Hill? Uh, then we get to the, the co-main event. Co-main event, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson against Bilal Muhammad in the welterweight division. Any other time, no titles on this, by the way. Any other time, that's the main event. Wonder Boy versus Bilal Muhammad? Are you kidding me? That's the kind of that's the kind of fight that if it's on if it's on Fight Island out there in Abu Dhabi, and I say, hey, this this uh, this fight in general, it's it's going to be at at two thirty a.m. here in the United States. Uh, you either stay up late or you get up early to watch that one. You absolutely do. And I'll go ahead and say, I'll, I'll weigh in on these two. I think, God, I really like Bilal. I really like Bilal, but give me Wonder Boy to win this one. I'm saying Wonder Boy Thompson is going to take out Bilal Muhammad. And that is, uh, it's kind of what the odds are saying. It's, it's close to even, but not really. But Wonder Boy is the favorite. Then we get to the main event. Derek, my balls are hot, Lewis my show. I could say that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google Derek Lewis interview. Don't 
don't say the other thing, against one of the Dawkins brothers, and this one's Chris Dawkins. Dawkins is a very, very slight favorite. Heavyweight main event. Derek Lewis has been fighting for a long time. Chris Dawkins has actually had a decent amount of fights as well. I think Dawkins gets him. I think Dawkins gets him. And these are slight favorites. Man, I usually I usually don't like, if you're going to bet, I'd stay away from the main event. You're not going to really make any money. You, you can make a little with Steven Warner, Boy Thompson, but not much. So the better odds are, are further down the card. But I'll tell you right now, Chris Dawkins in the main event can be Warner, Boy Thompson over Bilal Muhammad. That's 100% of what I would do. Now, that catches you up on all the fighting. Bellator is is done till mid-January, I believe. They're going to be out in Arizona. they got a big event coming there. They're already selling tickets. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a couple weeks. Or in the next, yeah, in the next couple weeks. UFC's got fight night, and I think they're done till January. It's more January. Something that could be done at least till April. We don't know after that. And that would be Ring of Honor. They had final battle. Their final event, live event, final event in general, until at least April. And so here's some of the things that happened at this. So that in April, if everything fires back up like we think it could, I think less and less every day about that, but if if and when it does fire back up, then here are the results that they could use to build on. We had I did not think this would happen, but Shane Taylor Promotions, which was Con Moses and O'Shea Edwards, they had Ron Hunt down there, lost the six-man tag team titles to the Righteous. Vincent, Bateman, and Dutch with Vita Von Starr were all down there. I'm a big Shane Taylor Promotions fan, but what the Righteous are doing right now is really awesome. It's different. Nobody out there is doing what they're doing. Like I said, sometimes it's out there. But good for the righteous. This is a fantastic win. So moving forward, trivia question. Answer to the trivia question right now. Who is the current reigning, defending, undisputed, and potentially last six-man tag team title holders in Ring of Honor? The Righteous. Good for them. Um, you know, this is the last event. So the, these first three matches were on the prelims. They were on the pre-show. You had Miranda, Elise, and the Allure, which is Angelina Love and Mandy Leone. They defeated Chelsea Green and the Hex, which is Allison Kay and Marty Bell in a six-woman tag team match. Good for Mandy Leon to, to get a win, potentially. If this is the end or a new beginning, she's somebody they always wanted to build the division around as a, as a corner post, as a pillar. And I, just, I don't know if it just didn't materialize or they just changed their mind a half a dozen times. The last card of the pre-show, PJ Black, Flip Gordon, Brian Malonis, Beer City Bruiser, and world-famous CB, that's Cheeseburger, defeated LSG, Sledge, Maxi Impaler, who is a female wrestler, Demonic Flamita, and Will Ferrara, because Amy Rose was down there with Max. This was just a way to get everybody on the card. It's They really have a lot of talent, and this is how you get them all on the card. All, they all do it. First match on the actual pay-per-view, Dragon Lee and Ray Horace. Dragon Lee ends up with the win in this. It was a just, my good, it's ridiculous how good those guys are in the just the overall chemistry that they have and, and put on a show like that. Uh, just it went it went over ten minutes too, which was fantastic because something like that absolutely deserves it. Now something I thought could have went a little longer because it was it was less than ten minutes. He had a four corner survival match for the world television championship. 
You had Dalton Castle, the champ. You had Silas Young. You had Joe Hendry. And you had Rhett Titus. Now, Rhett Titus is, is been in Ring of Honor forever. He has always been uh, the team player, the do the best for the company. Always the one, you know, toeing the line. Maybe the one you didn't see behind the scenes. I mean, heck, he, he probably worked ring crew and held cameras when they needed it. This, this guy has always, always been there. And just always plugging along and, and doing what's best for himself and Ring of Honor. Usually in the opposite order. So the fact that Rhett Titus was able to be the world television champion. And like I said, if this is the end, answer the trivia question of who is the last television title holder in Ring of Honor, it's Rhett Titus. If it is who is the current reigning, defending, undisputed, moving forward, it's Rhett Titus. Congratulations to Rhett Titus. Josh the Goods retains his pure rules title, his pure match, or his pure title. By defeating Brian Johnson uh, by technical submission, that you know, I guess in a rope breaks and things like that. But at the same time, uh, I don't know what Josh does going forward. A lot of people think AEW maybe it's getting really crowded there. Um, I would like to see Josh hit the indie scene or potentially go to Mexico, Japan. Someplace like that for a little while, I think he could really benefit. Japan would be kind of weird with his style, but I think I think they'd get into it. If he went over there and got with Minoru Suzuki, people like that, I, I think it would really work out well. But there you go. Answer the trivia question again. Who's the last Pure Rules champ, or who's the one going forward? It's Josh the Goods Woods. And they had a fight without honor. It just means they didn't shake hands. They didn't have to be nice to each other, unsanctioned, whatever you want to call it. Shane Taylor defeats Kenny King. These are two. These are two guys too that you can consider cornerstones, pillars that have uh, you know helped hold the place up for years. Big fan of both. Kenny King cut his teeth right down the road from here in Atlanta. Shane Taylor, unbelievable talent. I, I really do want to see what happens with some of, of uh, the talent and where they go and what they end up doing. Uh, Shane Taylor gets the win. This this was this was a great statement match. That's where a great statement match about where Ring of Honor is and where it could go. Roxy defeated Willow Nightingale. Didn't even know Willow had a last name until this match started for the Women's World Championship. That's another one. They they start the women's title. They get all the way to the end. Roxy ends up winning the tournament, things like that. And uh, she ends up being the last champion going out the door. Good for her. Good for her, absolutely. Violence Unlimited, which was Brody King, Homicide, uh, and Tony Deppin. I guess Chris Dickinson is hurt. I think he just had surgery or something, if I remember correctly. He tore a muscle or something. Uh, but it was Brody King, Homicide, Tony Deppin, and Rocky Romero stepped in. And they defeated EC3, Eli Isom, Taylor Rust, and Tracy Williams by pinfall. Eight-man tag. Kind of saw that. I mean, Violence Unlimited, it's their whole team, and this was a random, eclectic mix of people. But it gets them all in. Violence Unlimited is another one. If they stick together and do things, they could do a lot of great things. Uh, if they decide to kind of split and part ways... That would make sense, too. If they want to put a pin in this and reconvene later, that makes sense, too. We all saw this coming, but it's there's nothing more fitting, in my opinion. The Briscoe Brothers, SJ and Mark Briscoe, defeated the OGK, Matt Taven, and Mike Bennett with Maria for the World Tag Team Championships. I think they are 10, 11, 12, 13 time. Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. The Briscoes are another one. You can't talk about Ring of Honor without talking about the Briscoes. For years, they told WWE to stick it. They didn't want the contract. They they stayed. They kept Ring of Honor going. They kept doing great things. 
just ab- absolutely great things. And and uh, for the longest time, I wasn't fans of theirs. But when you see what they did, hey, where's the respect? Nobody has more respect for Ring of Honor than the Briscoe brothers. I want to see what they end up doing because they're not the world's best fit in a lot of places. And it's not because they're not good. It's almost because they're too good. But, uh, you know, good for them and good for Taven and Bennett. Who This was a great match. Great warm-up match. It got the crowd ready as um, Bandito actually tested positive for the virus the other day, so he could not defend the world title. So, in a surprise to definitely me, Jonathan Gresham got to take on, it vacated the title, and he had to take on his good friend and tag partner, and another guy that, I mean, you got to put, as far as putting Ring of Honor on the map in recent decades, Jay Lethal, who I thought had went out on bad terms. Apparently he had not. But we got to see Jonathan Gresham versus Jay Lethal for the vacant Ring of Honor World Championship. And I don't think it mattered who the opponent was. I was pretty sure Jonathan Gresham was going to walk out world title holder. Boy, they played with our emotions back and forth. But in the end, Jonathan Gresham is the Ring of Honor world champion. And I'm absolutely ecstatic about it. I don't sound ecstatic. But... Jonathan Gresham's another one that I am pretty sure back in the day when um, when I was a part of, of uh, running a wrestling show, not a real big part. I was part of Ring Crew and, and uh, a little bit of scouting here and there. I used to go to the training ground up near Atlanta, out there in Fulton Industrial, on the backside of the strip club. And I'm pretty sure I saw a young Jonathan Gresham up there cutting his teeth and uh, he was something special back then. But you look at where he is now, and I don't think there's a better technical wrestler on the planet. So the fact that whether this is the end, whether this is, you know, here's the answer to your question. Who was the last, the final Ring of Honor World Champ? That's Jonathan Gresham. Who is the one maybe in April when it reboots going forward that you build around? It's Jonathan Gresham. It is. Absolutely. But, you know, if that was the final battle, thank you so much, Ring of Honor. Thank you so much. Where's the respect? Just like with those fighters I just said well ago. Hey, utmost respect. What you guys have done for this industry, I wish the wrestling world could pay you back because then things might be a little different for you. But hopefully you can reboot, redo some things, and in April we see you back up. But for now... Thank you for everything you do. Now, let's get into, let's talk some, let's talk some AEW. Now, we know CM Punk and MJF are going to have this program going forward. Okay. But before they could do that, they uh, they have to continue another storyline where MJF is two for two in recent years of winning the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal, which is where you have a battle royal. You get then when you get to the final two, you freeze it, and those two face off usually the following week for the the diamond ring that MJF has been smashing people in the face with for the last year. But we hear MJF's music, and then CM Punk comes out, and this is MJF's hometown, so. CM Punk is getting booed, and it is hilarious that everybody flips on this night like this, that they they were cheering MJF because the hometown guy. They were booing CM Punk, who everybody else likes, but that town. <laughs> uh, but anyway, CM Punk ends up coming out, doing his thing, and he goes to the back. Then MJF gets a, a cool entrance, him wearing a letterman jacket, things like that. But Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal comes down to the following two. MJF and the double-crossing Dante Martin. We thought he joined Team Taz. Well, it comes down to him and Ricky Starks and MJF, and he tosses Ricky like yesterday's trash. Dante Martin, they think that highly of that kid. He's going to get to take MJF. 
I don't think he's going to win, but hey, you're in the match. Look at Eric Young. For so many years in TNA, when they needed somebody to fill in, when Scott Hall was having issues and couldn't make a flight or other people that were supposed to be in booked main events didn't show, Jeff Jarrett said, I always had one one answer, and that was Eric Young, because Eric was ready to go, and Eric could go with anybody, and Eric could hang with anybody, and sometimes he surpassed people and had the best matches. Well, Dante Martin, you're, you're getting a gift. You're getting featured time versus MJF, and whether Team Taz ruins it or not, who cares? Make the most of it, bud. Make the most. Um... The Young Bucks with Adam Cole took on Chucky T and Rocky Romero with uh, Orange Cassidy in their side. Uh, This ended up being a little bit of a melee towards the end, and then the return of Trent. And he shaved his head. Everybody's making fun of his haircut. If I'm not mistaken, he had neck surgery. A lot of times when you have neck surgery, you end up cutting your hair because it's in the way. So, I like it. It's a new look. He can always grow his hair out if he wanted to. But not only did Trent return, so did his mom. Trent's mom came out in the minivan. It's so awesome. They got to celebrate the ring. Just super cool. Super cool. Trent is back. You know, Trent and Rocky Romero used to be a fantastic, what, Rapongi Vice, I think, was the, uh, the, the New Japan tag team they were. So great. They ended up going other ways because uh, Rocky wanted to step back a little bit, and uh, he said uh, Trent could do great things on his own. Well, Trent and Chucky e. T got back together as the best friends, and with Orange Cassidy, and that's where that's kind of went. But now Trent is back. It will be fun to see him and Chuck back together uh, with Orange uh, as as the the part of the trio there. Uh, people are really getting tired of Cody. Cody is going to have to change some things up. He came out and challenged Sammy Guevara and said, eh, I think uh, this, I think tonight, this is Wednesday, it's either tonight or a couple weeks from now, he's challenging Sammy for his title. Just comes out and, and everybody's like, oh, of course, because, I mean, Cody's one of the big wigs with the company. He just comes out and calls a shot. I think it's more than that, <laughs> or it's, it's not that at all. But either way, uh, Sammy versus Cody should be really good. I hope Sammy wipes the floor with him, honestly. I don't have a problem with Cody, but he needs to reinvent himself. Um, I think one of the most underrated wrestlers they have in in their repertoire is Jamie Hayter. She took on Rio. Rio has some good spots, but Hayter pulled her through that match. And Rio's really good. Rio's been wrestling forever. Jamie Hayter, man, she puts the work in. Uh uh, she's one of my current favorites on their roster. That Britt Baker, she's fantastic, and Ruby, and you know, you can point all these different ones that are really good. But I think right now, the Jamie Hader, she's uh, she's one of the unsung heroes. And at some point, I think her and Britt will get into it, and it's going to be a really, really good battle. I guess they're letting Malachi Black do this old Black Mist thing. He uh, he got Julia Hart with this one. Just just come up in the middle of an interview, just spit black mist all in her. She sold it really well. She said some of her family members reached out to her after that and wanted to know if she was okay. That's how you know you're doing a good job, folks. I'm not sure why he particularly picked on her, but I guess he's just going to start random misting people. So, I don't know if we can get an RKO out of nowhere or a super kick out of nowhere. I mean, remember, at one point, Shawn Michaels super kicked about 30 people on Monday Night Raw, and a lot of them were like popcorn vendors, uh, random people in the back, you know, mimes. So, I don't know. This is a new thing here. Uh, Then we got the main event, Brian Danielson versus John Silver. John Silver is a guy that a year from now, if you told me he was in a, in a, t- a big-time title picture, I'm going to say, of course, it's where he should be. He is on the fringe of breaking into a new level because he is a really good performer. People really like him. He shows a lot of emotion, just a lot of super, super awesome stuff. And, uh, of course, Danielson wins. 
He's been taking out the Dark Order. It leads up into his match tonight with Hangman Page for the belt. Hangman clearly needs a win. But him versus Danielson will sell Hangman as a legitimate title holder. Immediately. If he has a great match with, with Brian, then immediately everybody goes, oh, of course he's champ. He should be. Winter is coming. That, that is happening tonight. We will talk about that next week. Um, while we're at, let's talk a little bit of Rampage. They always have some really good matches. We had FTR versus the Lucha Brothers for the... They found, The Lucha Brothers finally got to defend their tag team, their AEW tag team championships against FTR. Uh, Lucha Brothers end up winning it. FTR ends up cleaning them up at the end. This feud's long from over, but when these four are in the ring, holy crap. It's it's instant classics. Uh, we had Nyla Rose, The Bunny, and Penelope Ford, who took on Anna Jay, Ty Conte, and Ruby Soho. It, this is like one of those matches from Ring of Honor that I told you a while ago. Let's, let's just see how many we can get in there. There's a couple storylines going on. In the end, Nyla gets the win over Anna Jay, because Anna Jay could take the loss. Ruby's being built up. Ty's being built up. And uh, and Bunny and Penelope don't factor into the major storyline. So Nyla over Anna Jay makes sense. FTR gets into it with Darby and Sting again. This should be fun. And then we got to see the debut. The TV debut. I think he's had a couple other matches before. Hook. Yeah. Hook is Taz's son. Who took on Fuego Del Sol. Fuego's really good. Uh, good opponent for Hook. Hook had to show what he could do, and the crowd was actually getting into it. When he had the upper hand, the crowd was was behind him, even though he's a heel. They they like this kid. And if this is where he's starting as far as what he's doing in AEW, yeah, there's there's a lot of room for him to, to do some things in this company. I think he's going to do some really great things. And then the main event, Adam Cole versus Wheeler Yuta. Wheeler Yuta is really good. I think we've shown you in Ring of Honor. We saw him in NXT, I think, for a little while. Probably Impact Wrestling while we're at it. But, of course, Adam Cole wins this. Uh, this is still, though, this is still the Super Elite, which is the Young Bucks and Adam Cole, versus the Best Friends, which is Wheeler Yuta, Orange Cassidy, the returning Trent, and Chucky e. T. Uh, it is far from over. But, uh, you know, good things going on. And uh, it's it's booking groups like that. You get a lot of fun matchups. And that's eventually we're going to get Orange Cassidy, Adam Cole. And eventually we're going to get uh, Chuck Taylor and Trent versus the Young Bucks. First of all, I've seen that match before. And it was good every time. So we're going to get those soon. Let's go to Impact Wrestling. Let's completely flip the script. We'll do we'll do WWE on the end. Impact Wrestling. Um, I guess they're they're trying to continue this Mickey James, Diana Perazzo storyline, which is fine. Mickey James champ, Diana sticking around long enough. She's eventually going to get a rematch. I don't think she needs one right now. Let her take her time. Do what she's going to do. Uh. Let's see. We've got not not a lot in the simple fact that Impact is is kind of just rounding out to the end of the year. They're kind of doing what Ring of Honor did, except for they're going to keep going. So they just kind of moved. They got a bunch of people in on it. Um, Josh Alexander is is finally going to get his match towards the end. Maybe he builds up. Maybe he does. I don't know. They they started to build him up, and then they just immediately pulled the rug out from under him. It, it made no sense. Eric Young and Rhino, we've seen this, I don't know, 45 times. I'm kind of getting tired of it. I wish they'd do something a little different. We had the inspiration and the influence, because how many I tag teams can we have? They took on Decay, and by Decay, I mean all the members, including Black Taru, Crazy Steve, 
course, they win, too. Lady Frost is officially in Impact Wrestling. She's finally signed with somebody instead of being a freelancer. Congratulations to her. She will easily take over the knockout division and be in the top five in, like, a couple weeks. Uh, w. Morrissey, who is just rounding out his time at Impact Wrestling, his contract is up, but these are the TV tapings because they do about a month and a half's worth of them at a time. They do, like, two or three in a day for, like, a week. Uh, he took on Matt Cardona. Matt Cardona wins by DQ. Moose and Chelsea come down there. Like I said, it's hard to take any W. Morrissey thing serious because we know he's not with the company anymore. So this is where Impact screws up. One of the many places. Big stuff from WWE. Let's start with SmackDown because it was the funniest. Sammy comes out. Sammy Zane comes out in a wheelchair with two orderlies who look like they are probably bouncers at the local nightclub. Kind of hard to pretend that they're just there for, for background when they actually look like legitimate wrestlers. But he comes out, and then Paul Heyman comes out and says, well, Roman's not here, so you can keep slapping your gums all you want, but nothing's going to really happen, and knowing the state you're in now, what could you really do? Sammy gets up to try to challenge Paul, and to Paul and everybody else's surprise, Brock Lesnar comes out. Brock and Sammy being the friends that they are, both being fellow Canadians now that Brock lives on a farm up there. Yeah, it didn't go well for the, for uh, Sammy and, and the orderlies there, but uh, hilarious moment. And we're getting to see that Brock Lesnar has a funny side. And not when he maniacally laughs at The Undertaker. Brock's funny. In a weird way, but he's funny. So having Sammy thrown in there like this, it's it's interesting entertainment, and it also adds another legitimate contender who's just kind of there. Sheamus gets a win over Drew. I don't know why they're building up Sheamus because I thought he was just mentoring uh, his little buddy there that's just got called up. They did a good tribute to Black Jack Lanza, who passed away a week ago. Uh, if you don't know who Black Jack Lanza is, I implore you to go look up the Black Jacks. It was, um, I believe, Barry Wyndham's dad, which are making Bray Wyatt's uncle. I believe, or they're related somehow. But uh, he he was uh, especially in the seventies and eighties. He he did a lot of great things as part of that tag team, and uh, he, he'll be he'll be bigly missed. Uh, it seems like the Naomi versus Sonya storyline this week was just so they could get Natalia and Shayna Baszler on screen, and then so they could introduce everybody to Zia Lee, who came out and cleared the ring. So now we can get Naomi and Zia Lee versus Natalia and Shayna. I'd be willing to bet we see that about three or four times in the next two weeks. But Zia Lee's really good. If you guys don't know who she is, didn't watch her in NXT, you're going to like her. Uh, Charlotte took on Tony Storm, where the caveat was, if Tony Storm won the match, I believe she gets a title shot. Well, all she had to do was enrage Charlotte. This was an okay match. Definitely neither one of them were to the best of their abilities. But she angers Charlotte enough to where she doesn't break a hole. Charlotte gets disqualified. Tony Storm gets her match. I'm telling you guys. Tony Storm versus Charlotte is going to be really good. It's probably going to be the second or third highest match on a card. And it's going to be really, really good. And then they did this weird thing where they took the Raw champions and the SmackDown champions and the New Day and stuck them all in a three-way match to say, who's the best tag team in WWE? And then you had the New Day win, who are not the Raw champions, and they're not the SmackDown champions. So are we going to unify the tag belts now? What This doesn't prove anything, except for that it proves that your best team are not your title holders. It just it made no sense. It went nowhere. It was typical. Writers got bored and did a dumb, chaotic thing in the writing room. I mean, the match wasn't even that good. You would think with six high great performers like that, you'd get a good match, which you did. 
Let's move to Raw, where the biggest storyline there is between Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and Big E. I don't know why you think you need all three. Any two of those carry a main event for, I mean, we're talking WrestleMania. I think in the end that KO and Seth are going to cancel each other out, and Big E's going to retain and move on to defend against somebody else, which is what should happen. Because Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens is a match that doesn't need a title to headline a pay-per-view. And I think they're going to get in each other's way, and Kevin Owens is going to get mad that Seth paints him out to be a liar or a backstabber. Yeah, he could be. Who cares? But I think in the end, Big E's going to like win the match and kind of excuse himself from the feud and go do something else where Kevin and Seth are probably going to fight for two or three pay-per-views at a time. Because, in fact, when we had Big E versus Kevin Owens in a cage match for, I don't know, I guess they they uh, shook their Magic 8 ball and decided that was a good idea. But uh, in the end, Big E, of course, wins. He escapes the cage, kind of waltzes out of the cage. Uh, it was a good match, but it, it just didn't make a lot of sense why you'd have that with the pay-per-view coming up in January, January 1st, on day one here in Atlanta. They did a promo package on Bobby Lashley because they don't want anybody to forget. Lashley still, he could be the guy that Big E takes on. He gets a rematch or losing his belt to Big E a couple, what, a couple months ago, or a month ago now. Lashley, Big E, great matchup. I want to see it. Uh, what else was there? I noticed that Bailey made a tweet about the same thing I've been talking about where Austin Theory is using the the Tyler Breeze gimmick of doing selfies and videos as he comes to the ring, as he's in the ring, as he attacks people. That's fine. I mean, I, I would consider it an ode of, of flattery to, to what Breeze did. But they really think highly of Theory, and they're trying to work him in somewhere, and the best way to work him in is to have him disrupt everybody, and then somebody like Finn Balor, We'll probably, you know, wipe the floor with him, and he'll learn a lot. But having Theory and Vince in a lot of things, that's pretty good. I, that's that's a real good nod. Um, and I have it. I have a little bit of a theory. I haven't seen Raw from this week, but I heard that Liv Morgan may have got a few injuries. A few uh, got dinged up a little bit. Now, last week, she took on Becky Lynch, and Becky ended up uh, using the ropes and rolled her up, got a little bit of tights, and beat her. So that was probably why there was a rematch on Raw. I have a theory that I think some people don't like Liv Morgan. Because if you watch the demeanor and the facial expressions of people like Becky Lynch, it's like they think she doesn't belong or they don't like her enough to where... I'm not saying they're trying to injure her, but they're trying to get her out of the picture. They're trying to prove maybe she doesn't belong up there yet. So we'll kind of see how that plays out. Like I said, I don't think they're actually trying to injure her. I just think they're trying to prove a point. And it's up to her to prove otherwise because there's been other people all throughout wrestling that, that get that moniker that, ah, what are they doing here? They don't need to be here. And the best example is The Miz. The Miz wasn't supposed to make it. He wasn't supposed to be a big tire. He wasn't supposed to headline WrestleMania. He wasn't supposed to beat The Rock. He wasn't supposed to beat John Cena for the world title. He wasn't supposed to do any of that. But instead of listening to everybody who said he doesn't belong, all he did was go out work everybody in the room, and he got to where he is now. He's at the top. So, Liv Morgan, that's what you need to do. Go out work everybody in the room. Let's finish up with NXT. I know we're approaching an hour. Let's finish up with NXT and get out of here. Uh, for some reason, they had two former partners in Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner in a cage match because I guess the cage was laying around from, from Raw. Might as well use it. Von Wagner wins. I don't know what it means. I don't know if Kyle's contract has ran out like Johnny Gargano's did, but we will get to Gargano shortly. Braun Breaker wants another title shot with Tommaso Ciampa. You and everybody else, Braun. Um, but 
Diamond Mine had another idea about that. So it looks like Braun is probably going to be a champion soon. He's going to take out Roderick Strong and the 205 belt, or I forgot what they even call that one, is is going to get a little bit of a, a, a makeover. And it's actually going to mean something because here lately it hasn't meant, meant anything. One of my new favorite tag teams in NXT, Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs, get a big win over the Creed Brothers. Imperium and the Grizzled Young Vets were also down at ringside. The Grizzled Young Vets tried to do this uh, funny thing. We took the tag rope where Jensen and Briggs couldn't tag one another in. It didn't matter. They won the match anyway. Uh, the Creed Brothers are just thrown in for cannon fodder at this point because they have done nothing up to this point to, to earn being in this spot. They just needed a fourth team, and they were there. Zion Quinn took on Santo Escobar, who, of course, had Legato Del Fantasma, the entire group, down there with him. Santos wins, and Santos is, is one of these veterans. He's been around for like 15, 16, 17 years. He's practically been a top dog almost everywhere he went, including Lucha Underground. Make you guys go look that one up. He was one of the top dogs when that one kind of ceased to exist. But Zion Quinn is somebody that they want to push and kind of build up. And having Master Santo Escobar is going to do that. Like I said, Escobar wins, but in the end, Zion, Qu uh, Zion Quinn looked really, really strong, and he's probably going to get a rematch somewhere down the road. And then we come down to the last moment, where Gargano got to come out and say his goodbyes, basically say how much it meant. He called out camera guys and all kinds of people in the back that don't even don't even show up on the credits. So credit to him for, for calling out the people that people don't know. And then, in the most WWE-typical fashion ever, in the end, he basically puts over one of the next-level talents, which is what you do a lot of times when you're leaving a company. It's called doing the job, and by doing the job, you help propel one of the next guys up. You give that guy a boost by taking a fall of some kind. And Grayson Waller come out and laid out Johnny Gargano. Uh, a few chair shots. I think he threw him through a table. But in the end, that was Gargano's way of saying, Grayson Waller, I believe in you. Go do good things. So looks like that's the end of Gargano. As soon as Candice Array, his uh, illustrious wife, gives birth to their kid. I give her about a month or two, and her contract will run out, and I think she's going to leave with him. We're going to miss the Garganos. They did so much for NXT in the past, gosh, good handful of years. Uh, just absolutely fantastic. And lastly, if you've ever been a part of any wrestling show here in the state of Georgia, in the past decade or better. Or maybe you saw this guy on TV. Impact Wrestling. He was uh, he was Spring of Honor. He's been all over the world. But I found out that on Sunday. Due to complications of all the medical things he was, he was going through. That Jimmy Rave passed away. You know. In the last year or so. We talked about his GoFundMe page. Uh, I had him on a couple years ago. He uh, just had all kinds of, of medical issues, and uh, finally the complications uh, just uh, were, were too much. So the world's going to miss Jimmy Rave, because like I said, if you were ever part of any wrestling show in Georgia in the past decade or better, Jimmy Rave did something to help you out. He was always there to give advice, to help people out. I could, I could name half a dozen people off the top of my head that I know he had a good hand in the positions they're in now. So... The world needs more people like Jimmy Rave, and it's definitely not going to be the same without him. But, keeping the theme of tonight, where's the respect? Well, the respect I have for you guys is done for now. Thanks for tuning in to another great edition of Strong Style. I'm Jeremy the Impact York. We will see you guys next week. Go watch wrestling. Deuces, gooses.